Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Uh, we've got a special time of celebration, uh, a sense of sadness, but also a time of celebration as we're about to uh, commission uh, Damien and Hannah Tanner in their work and their ministry and their call uh, as they're about to go and serve God overseas. Uh, but before we uh, ask them up on the platform, uh, they're going to introduce themselves. Thanks, Abigail. Hi guys, we're Damien and Hannah and these are our kids, Addie and Liam. And we're just wanting to tell you a little bit about what's going on for our family lately. Um, So for a while now, we've felt that God's been leading us to serve him overseas and through a long process of prayer and seeking him, um, he's led us to this little island country. Do you want to tell people where we're going, Eddie? To Mauritius. Yeah, to Mauritius. So yeah, Mauritius is this tiny island off the east coast of Africa with a population of around 1.3 million people um, and Hinduism is the main religion on the island. So we're going over with a mission organisation so that I can volunteer to teach at a school called Lighthouse Primary and Secondary School. This is an openly Christian, not-for-profit school uh, that aims to be a light and witness for Jesus amongst the students, their families and the community on the island. And this permeates everything that the school is about. The school also works in social justice by providing a high quality, affordable education to as many students as possible. But some students at the school and their families still can't afford to even pay these fees. So about 20% of the students um, are on scholarships, which will let them finish their schooling here, get a certificate and hopefully a better paying job to help their families break out of this cycle of poverty. I'm also excited to have the opportunity to be involved in helping set up the school farm. And this will offer a vocational stream of education, which will be a really important alternative to um, some students at the school. The school farm is also a research project now run in conjunction with a university, with the goal of making this a model school farm that then can be taken to other African countries um, and to their schools to provide food for those schools and teach their kids these valuable farming skills. I think this is really exciting with my background and training in agriculture and combining this with teaching students. So I'm pretty excited about this. And once we've been in Mauritius for a little while and I know a little bit more of the language, I'm also keen to explore the possibilities of using my skills as an optometrist to be able to serve the people there, particularly the low socioeconomic families who may otherwise find it difficult to access glasses um, as having good vision uh, can make a huge difference to kids' ability to learn as well. We're hoping to leave Australia in the middle of the year and head to Mauritius after some time learning French. Our plan is at this stage uh, is to spend about five to 10 years serving in Mauritius or longer if God calls us to that. Um, It's important for us to have good language skills so that we can help build relationships in the community quickly early on um, and also help to serve the local church. So thanks for taking the time to watch this. If you're interested in learning more about what God is doing in Mauritius or how you can join in this by partnering with us, either through prayer or financially, then we'd love to hear from you. Bye. 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 
So I invite uh, Damien and Hannah to uh, come and join me on the platform now. Uh, Damien and Hannah will still be here next Sunday. They actually leave Horsham on uh, July 22 and then fly out uh, to France on August 18. That's all right. Hannah's got the red microphone, Damien has the blue one. Good, good. So uh, we uh, have prepared, we've, uh, following a, a service order that uh, Pioneers has sent to us, um, and we're just going to uh, work through this as a, to keep us all on the track really, to keep me on the track. So, um, so at this point in our worship, we do pause to recognise uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ has set apart Damien and Hannah to serve overseas. Uh, and particularly to Mauritius. We believe that the ministry of representing Christ in a foreign land among a people not your own is a great responsibility. It is a response to the call God has placed upon their lives and is to be carried out in humble dependence on Christ our Lord, motiva motivated by the love of our Father and empowered by the Spirit of God. The church has recognised your call to serve in this way. We send you as an extension of and in partnership with the Horsham Church of Christ and certainly with numerous other churches that you've been visiting and in conversation with um, over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm going to invite you, you might have a, I know you've got a couple of extra comments you might want to say that, apart from what's been said uh, in the video, so I invite you to make those comments now. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so you've got a, a brief background of what we're doing in the video um, and as you heard there, initially we're heading to France. Um, and so we're going to a town called Albertville um, and there Hannah and I will be doing an intensive um, language course and the kids will be going to a French kindergarten and daycare. Um, we'll be doing that for about a month, uh, for about a year before we head off to Mauritius. Um, so at the moment we're busy packing up and getting our house ready for rent because um, we plan to leave Horsham in less than two weeks and spend some time with family um, before flying out uh, on the 18th of August. So it's getting very real um, and yeah, lots of things going on at the moment. And we particularly want to say thank you to everyone here um, as well as in other churches and numerous individuals who have come alongside us, supported us, partnered with us in prayer and financially and will continue to do that. Um, we are incredibly blessed and humbled um, by the way people have got alongside us in this journey and in the work that God is doing um, in Mauritius. Um, and to our church family here, we want to say a huge thank you. The last 10 years um, have been so wonderful for us to be welcomed as much as we were. Um, we have developed friendships here that we know we will have for life. Um, and just the way that we've been supported, challenged and encouraged, um, yeah, we will miss you all a lot. Um, and I know Damien and Hannah would love to uh, talk to you if you haven't yet uh, signed up or you'd like to know more, uh, they'll be out in the foyer as well, um, around at a table close by, so they'd love to uh, have a chat with you further about that. Um, Damien and Hannah, you've also been called to serve in a wider context in this local church. And we do want to recognise the partnership we, we share with numerous churches with whom you have a relationship. We also acknowledge and give thanks for the partnership that we share with Pioneers. And at this stage, I want to invite uh, Ray Notley, who's representing to uh, Pioneers and part of the mobilisation team, to encourage you. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, thanks so much, Simon, and thanks so much for having me this morning. It's a real joy. In fact, we were just chatting this morning because of COVID. This is actually the first time that we've actually got to meet each other in person, so it's so cool to be here. 
But three quick things. Uh, the first thing is, is Mauritius, and you heard a little bit about Mauritius. But I've known Stephen and Cathy Andrews for a, a long time, and I've, I guess, seen that journey when they were in Mauritius and the setting up of the school and how there's such a great need. So the first thing is to say it's so encouraging that you're heading to Mauritius. Uh, the second thing I wanted to highlight was... Um, about 12 months ago, I had the pleasure to walk a journey with these guys, and what I saw was patience and thoughtfulness and prayerfulness, and that is just such wonderfully characteristic of what's going to be needed. And I think the other thing that came out so strongly to me was the strength of their marriage and them as parents. And again, as you go to the field, uh, as you go through the ups and downs of which there will be. Um, that is just such a, a wonderful encouragement for us and I hope for you as the church family supporting them how wonderfully dependent they are on God and the strength of your marriage together as, as husband and wife and as mum and dad. And the third thing that's come out very, very clearly through your application process, through our conversations with Simon, is the wonderful family that you have here at Horsham Church of Christ. So as an encouragement to you, thank you for your loving support of them. It comes through loud and clear as they talk to us as an organisation of the love and care, the prayerful support that we know that you will be giving them. So thanks so much and thanks for allowing me to say something. And, you know, God bless you guys. Thanks, Ray. Uh, we'll hear from Ray shortly. He's going to bring us the word of encouragement too. So uh, your ministry, Damien Hannah, takes place amongst and in partnership with other workers from this church who are in other parts of the world at the moment. And we remember them together. We also continue to remember Stephen and Kathy, Rowan and Rachel, as well as organisations such as Open Doors and Empire, uh, who we serve. And now you join their company. Uh, you inspire us all to represent Christ wherever he has placed us, in our homes, in our schools, in our universities, our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods, reminding us that every follower of Jesus shares the honour of bearing his name wherever we are. Um, so Damien and Hannah, after a time of conversation, reflection, discernment and prayer, and I know that's been a time, uh, we believe that you're acting in obedience to the call of God it may seem needless to ask you for any further assurance of your faith and sincerity of purpose, but in order that you may better realise the solemn trust you have undertaken and that this congregation may also better understand your mind and will, we ask you to answer these questions. Um, do you believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and do you confess anew that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour? We do. we do. We started with an easy question. Um, do you promise to do all in word and deed so as to be an example to those among whom you will minister? We, we do. Do you promise in the instruction you give to remain true to the teaching of the scriptures and to uphold the scripture as the rule of conduct for all Christian life? In this, do you promise to dedicate yourself to an ongoing study of the Bible to equip yourselves for the task? We, we do. do. And do you promise to maintain and nurture your link with the family of God who partners with you in the call upon your life? We do. We do. I'm getting some eyes up here. Um, to the church, do you as ascending church and obviously as supporting churches as well promise to stand with Damien and Hannah in the task that they have before God? 
where we promise to do everything in our power to ensure that they are cared for on the field as fellow members of the family of God. And I want to invite us in affirmation of this to stand with Damien and Hannah. Let's put them down now. And I'm going to ask Damien and Hannah. Uh, Damien and Hannah can come down on the front here if they want to grab Addy and if they want to, if, depending on what we want. Uh, they're going to come and stand on the front. Actually, we might get you to stand up here now. Um, and can I ask our elders to come forward, please? There's a couple of elders sick. Um, and uh, Josh and Akina to come forward. Josh and Akina um, are um, uh, Damien and Hannah's local advocates. Uh, they'll be the primary point of contact. I hope that other people will email them, encourage them and bless them along the way too. Uh, but Josh and Akina will be the people who facilitate conversations, arrange visits or extra information that comes to the newsletter. So uh, Josh and Akina are here as Damien and Hannah's local advocates as well. Uh, so Jared's going to pray for them uh, in dedicating them to, to this ministry. Yeah, let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, first and foremost that we are made in your image, that Damien and Hannah and Addie and Liam are made in your image and that you have called them and that they have responded with a resounding yes to serve you and to honour you with every aspect of their lives, to give up all that they know and have here in Australia, uh, to go to a foreign place, foreign land, to learn a language that they don't know, um, that they could serve you and honour you in such a practical way. Um, Damien and Hannah, I was thinking of you this week and I just kept thinking about Jesus on the road to Emmaus with the disciples uh, and Philip with the Ethiopian um, and I felt like these were strong biblical examples just to bless you and encourage you in your walk that you would be like Jesus with the disciples on the road to Emmaus that you would be like Philip with the Ethiopian that you would share openly of your faith and your love for God and that as you do that people's hearts and minds would be open uh, to the love and the wonder of who God is and all that he has done for his children. We bless you, Damien and Hannah and Addie and Liam, as a family, as a married couple, as parents, as friends, uh, that your love for one another would continue to grow, that your love for God would continue to grow, deepen and strengthen, and that in the days, the weeks, the months ahead, uh, as Ray said, in the highs and the lows of uh, all that is to come for your work, that you would continue to know um, the God of love more and more deeply and intimately than ever before. Father, would you bless this family with your presence? Would you bless them with your voice speaking to them? Would they have dreams and visions? Would they continue to be aware of who you are and all that you're doing? And would they continue to give their yes to you, come what may? And we bless them as a church family in the name of Jesus. Amen. David and Hannah, um, and Addie and Liam, as you have been called by the Holy Spirit to serve in this role and as the Holy Spirit has spoken to this church for us to set you apart for ministry, I declare you now to be commissioned, sent out uh, as representative of Christ in your ministry to Mauritius, the people of Mauritius, but also to the people of France as you go there. You go with the love and the partnership of the Horsham Church of Christ as your sending church. You go with the cooperation and support of numerous other churches in Australia as well. Even as you go, I want to encourage you and remind you that you remain a part of our community. As we are a part of the communities that you now serve. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with you and work through you to the glory of his name. Amen. Would you celebrate, welcome and uh, honour them. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, and it is a pleasure to be able to welcome Ray Notley uh, from Pioneers, the part of the mobilisation team. Um, he has uh, come up, Ray. Uh, he's been, he's from Sydney, um, uh, has been in Melbourne for the last week, an orientation week, and then came up and spent a day in Halls Gap and uh, has come the extra distance to be with us this morning. So uh, would you welcome Ray and express our thanks Thank to him you. as well. Thanks. Thanks, Simon. Thanks so much for having me. I was trying to keep that a secret that I was from New South Wales, but anyway, it's, it's out now. So thanks for having me and letting me into this beautiful part of the world. It's the first time I've been to this part of the world and I, I just spoke to my wife last night and said, we've got to come back here on holidays. It's so wonderful. So anyway, let me pray and uh, we're going to actually have a look at Isaiah chapter 6. So let me pray. Um, Father, you are just a, a wonderful God who loves us, who loves the nations. Thanks so much that you give us your word to learn from and to grow from. Uh, and I pray, Father, that you would speak to us through it this morning. Amen. So Isaiah chapter 6, let me just read it for us. Uh, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple, temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people, but be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste." But as the terebinth and the oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Well, it was 3am on March 4, 2017. 
I was lying in a hospital bed and I wrote this in my journal. I'm grateful, God, for your many blessings. Getting into hospital, removal of my cancer, wonderful care, prayers of brothers and sisters. Please, Lord, would you give me the courage and strength to radically give my life to Jesus? Would my old life be truly crucified? Would I grasp the pain, the suffering of the cross, yet also the mercy and unending love? Would I endure and receive in a new and marvellous way? I'd been a believer for just only 15 years, a Bible college graduate. I've been serving in Christian ministry. But in the watches of the night, I was freshly confronted by my mortality, my helplessness and total dependence on God. So often when we face a crisis, an illness, a death, or maybe just like me, you're getting a little older, the things of the world just don't seem that important anymore. And our attention turns to what really matters, God. And for Isaiah and Judah, uh, this moment in time we come to here in Isaiah 6 is just that. It's a crisis. Uh, the people of God had strayed um, and they were a long way away from their God. Um, at this very moment, uh, King Uzziah has died. Um, at, at the start of here in chapter, in, in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. Uh, and this king had promised so much. Um, and he delivered so much, actually. The economy was booming. Uh, he'd reigned for 50 years. He'd been brilliant in battle. Um, and the people felt really secure and safe. And even though if we were to go to the end of 1 Chronicles, we'd actually see that by the end of Uzziah's life, power and pride and unfaithfulness had overcome him, he'd still been a pretty good king. Uh, but it's crisis time. And so... In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah has this awesome and vivid vision. He, he sees God, and he sees God seated on the throne. And it's way beyond us, actually, to try and grasp this but just for a few seconds, imagine what it must have been like for Isaiah. Seeing God, having a front row seat to the concert of a lifetime. Seeing God in all his majesty, in all his glory, in all his perfection and his holiness. For these few moments, um, Isaiah is present. He's visually transported into the throne room. The train of God's robe fills the temple. Heaven and earth actually merge for Isaiah. And then he hears, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. God's purity and perfection are terrifying. The doorposts shake and the temple fills with smoke and in the presence of his holy, holy, holy God, Isaiah cries, Woe to me! I am ruined! 
For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I don't know if this is such a great image, but just imagine for yourself we're plumbers and we're cleaning out sewage pipes. The pipes burst and raw sewage explodes all over us. I don't know if you remember or if you've seen Slumdog Millionaire, but the, the, Jamel, the main character, when he was a little guy, was running away from the authorities, and to get away, he actually slipped in to raw sewage to save himself. It's a, it's a visual that I have to turn my eyes away from. But then, covered in raw sewage, then in an instance, we're transported into the into a, into, a, into a bedroom, a newly painted white bedroom. It's pristine and it's perfectly white. It's got white carpet, the walls are white, got a white duna cover, nice white linen sheets, and we're dripping with excrement. We're not only aware of our uncleanliness, but we're exponentially, the, the uncleanliness is exponentially magnified because of the cleanliness and the purity that's around us. What can we do? How can we escape? Where can we go? Just like Isaiah is terrified and he cries, Woe to me, I'm ruined. Uh, he grasps how sinful and how unclean he is. The filth and the stench of his sin. How unworthy he is to be in the presence of this perfectly pure and holy God. But then remarkably and wonderfully into this state of helplessness and hopelessness, his filth and his sheer terror, it's actually God who makes the first move. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. God showers Isaiah with his grace and he washes him perfectly clean as that hot coal touches Isaiah's lips metaphorically. Burning judgment becomes rescue and redemption. And so Isaiah, the cleansed and redeemed sinner, hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Many years ago, uh, a guy by the name of Magnus Linder, he was serving with OMF, uh, came to our church for a church dinner. He spoke um, on mission um, at that dinner. But at the end of the night, our pastor interviewed Magnus um, and asked him if there was anything that he would like to leave, anything encouraging that he'd like to say to us before he left. Now, I could think of a lot of things that Magnus could have said to us, but he said four very profound words um, and very simple words. Be surrendered to God. Over the last 10 years, I've had the privilege to walk alongside a lot of people like Damien and Hannah, uh, many, many, many people as they've um, prepared to go abroad. And I can assure you 
that most don't serve amongst unreached people because they feel guilty. Most don't hear a sermon or a talk and feel obligated. Most, like Isaiah, are overwhelmed by God's goodness and his grace. Overwhelmed that he's washed them clean and they've received his mercy and they want to praise him and they want to surrender their life to him to fulfill whatever God's purpose might be for them. And the purpose that God had for Isaiah, as we read earlier, is a tough one. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with our eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turned and be healed. God had made up his mind that these people were to bear the judgment of their ongoing sin. It was a really hard message. So God commissions Isaiah to share and teach a truth to actually push Judah further away from God. And Jesus sums it up wonderfully in John chapter 8. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe. And as Isaiah told the truth, sadly those in Judah and Israel wouldn't believe. Devastatingly, that truth uh, would not be popular. It would not be a box office hit. Uh, it would not be a bestseller. The truth would remain hidden and, um, and, the, and, and they would not believe. Tim is a tall, six-foot-five American guy who's full of life. I've known him for quite some years, but recently he shared a little bit at our, uh, at, at our team meeting. Tim went to China 40 years ago when he was 20 years old. And I think he'd say something like this, I'm the worst person that God could send. But God had given him great language skills and he'd given him a love and a joy of relationships. He met his wife, Debbie, on the field. She was already serving with pioneers and they got married in 1991. And they continued to serve in China for 25 years. They had a family and they centred their life on southwest China. But about four or five years ago, after 20, 20 years or so, serving in China, they got kicked out. There was only a handful of believers in that 20 years. And they've got no option to return. They're now serving in Taiwan. So how do, how do you measure that 20 years with only a handful of believers? Tim and Debbie didn't measure success by numbers. This is what they said when asked, how did you measure success? Faithfulness. Faithfulness to the place and faithfulness to the people that God had led them. Fruit, well, that's just always up to God. Like Isaiah, Tim and De Debbie and all of us are not called to success. We're called to faithfulness no matter what the outcome. Some of us will minister in difficult times. It'll be dry. We just can't assume that if we pray and witness and faithfully share that there'll be a revival. God could just have a different purpose. 
But the overwhelming message of Isaiah throughout his whole prophecy and from that first word that we read in Genesis to the last that we read in Revelation goes something like this. Whilst God is perfectly just, he desperately desires to heal and save. And that saving is not just for us here in Horsham. It's for all nations. And so we have this wonderful poetic thread at the end of chapter 13. I wonder if you picked it up. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. In Australia, especially um, in years gone by just recently, and I was just in uh, the Grampians and I saw exactly evidence of this, um, we're used to bushfires and the raging flames that come through communities and wipe out homes. But that charred smell of uh, smouldering tree stumps gradually disappears. And when it does, there's these really small buds that, of new growth. And those green buds soon become shoots and the source of, the new, uh, of new life for the tree. And God's holy seed will rise to bring life, eternal life in our dark and dry and hurting world. Isaiah's generation might not have got the chance uh, to see it um, and they may have been ruined and felt forsaken. But in Isaiah chapter 11, we read, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And we know that that seed, that shoot of Jesse, is the Lord Jesus. And we've spent many, much time this morning thinking about him and all he's done for us. So what to do? How is this ancient text relevant for us today in 2022? How, how indeed can we put some of this stuff into practice? Well, if you take no other message away from this morning, it's to affirm that our greatest need, uh, no matter where we are or who we are, is to be washed clean, for that stench of sin to be taken away. In Isaiah's vision, uh, the Lord commissioned seraphim uh, with a burning coal. For us, God the Father commissioned his son, the Lord Jesus, the holy seed to become a man, to experience the desolation that Judah would experience, separation from his father, nailed to a cross, absorbing the filth and the uncleanliness of our sin. Christ crucified, God's holy justice intersecting with God's free and unmerited grace. But sadly, for so many people in so many places, they don't know where or how to shower, to receive that grace, and they remain lost and unclean. And they don't even have the chance to reject the truth, make a choice to stay dirty, because they don't have anyone to tell them or to direct them where to find the shower. 
Over 4 billion people, close to 5 billion people in the world are, are Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu. They have folk religions or they say they don't believe in a god. Over 3 billion, I think 80 something, 86% of Muslims, Hindus and Buddhists don't know anyone who knows Jesus. 1.5 billion people don't have all of the scriptures in their first language. A snapshot, a moment in time, a crisis. So many perishing with very, very little chance or no hope of ever hearing the gospel. A few years ago, our national director, Simon Longdon, visited Afghanistan well before the Taliban um, rule resumed. At the time, we had three Aussies um, serving in northern Afghanistan. And when he met with these, with, when he met with our team members, Simon asked them a question, question. What if you were forced to leave? And one of the single women with tears in her eyes said this, Who'll tell the women in the prison I visit about Jesus? I can't leave. When we hear the voice of Isaiah say, Woe to me, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, do we actually hear a voice inside of us saying the same thing? Because, you know, it's not until we've come to the absolute end of ourselves when we grasp that we can't solve the problem. Uh, we just can't wash ourselves clean enough. It's then and only then that we stand alongside Isaiah in the presence of our holy, holy, holy God, completely broken willing to shower in his grace and be touched by his mercy, gladly surrendering ourselves and offering ourselves to him. Florence Young was an amazing woman. She dreamed of a day when a mission movement would impact the unreached peoples of the South Pacific Islands. For years she worked against all the odds especially being a young woman in the late 1800s. But in 1886, she was given a small gift, two guineas. I don't even know what two guineas are these days. Maybe someone here might. Um, and Florence started South Sea's Evangelical Mission. And in the years that followed, men and women would come to know Jesus in the Solomon Islands. There are so many things I could say about Florence Young. She's one of those people that, you know, when people say to you, who would you like to have invite to your dinner, to, to your place for dinner? I'd love to invite Florence for dinner. But her words are far more powerful than mine. This is what she says. I want you to know, for as long as I'll be down here, that you at home have got to be willing, even glad for me to die in this fight, if God should will it. Florence knew wholeheartedly how to serve Jesus. She'd later say, the way of the cross means sacrifice. 
We're called to this fellowship deep, to share in our Lord's toil and suffering, to seek for his wandering sheep. Now I know that Florence's context is a long way away from our context here uh, in, and for most of us in our day-to-day lives. But perhaps God is asking you something this morning. Maybe he's asking you to teach Sunday school or kids' church, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, maybe he's just asking you to love a difficult neighbour. Maybe he's asking you when you go to work tomorrow and someone says, what did you do on Sunday? Just to be truthful. Perhaps he's asking you to teach in a school in Cambodia or Bangladesh, or maybe he's asking you to go and join Davey and Hannah, Addie and Liam in Mauritius. Maybe he's asking you to use your healthcare professional skills and join Samuel and Kate in Paraguay or Jane in Jordan. Maybe he's asking you to teach English to Somali refugees or surfing to adventure travellers in Indonesia or business skills to prostitutes in India. Or maybe he's just asking you to sit in the dirt under a tree around a fire in Chad or Arnhem Land. Or maybe he's just asking you to vote, to devote yourself to praying each day, each week, each month for a friend or a neighbour or maybe an unreached people group. About five or six years ago, I was challenged to pray for six unreached people groups, one each day. On Mondays, I pray for Afghanistan. On Tuesdays, I pray for Somalia. On Wednesdays, I pray for the Maldives. On Thursdays, I pray for Morocco. On Friday, I pray for Yemen. And on um, Saturday, I pray for Japan. I do actually pray for Australia, usually on Sundays as well. Would you join me? Would you choose an unreached people that comes to mind and pray for them, even if it was just once a week? Where's our focus? On the things of the world or what really matters? When we wake up in the morning till we close our eyes, finally in sleep in the evening, are we surrendered? Are we wholeheartedly following Jesus? Let me leave you with this quote from one of the uh, reformers of the 16th century. Until men and women recognise that they owe everything to God, that they are nourished by his fatherly care, that he is the author of their every good, that they should seek nothing beyond him. They will never yield him willing service. No, unless they establish their complete happiness in him, they will never give themselves truly and sincerely to him. Let me pray. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for your deep desire to know us. We acknowledge our sinfulness and our desperate need of a saviour. Father, thank you so much for the gift of the Lord Jesus, 
would we grasp afresh this morning with overwhelming joy your grace and would we shower in it every day might we give ourselves truly and sincerely and willingly to you would we surrender ourselves in service in jesus name amen